and welcome to What's New in Adaptive Physical Education. I have a, a very special episode I am sharing with you today uh, where I have three distinguished colleagues and, and academics discussing uh, their relationship, the impact in life of Eli Wolf. And Eli Wolf was a leading advocate for athletes with disabilities and disability sport in general who recently passed away at the age of 45 and unexpectedly himself a Paralympian and had done a tremendous amount of work around disability sport, uh, including advocating for disability sport legislation and court cases, going to the United Nations to advocate for disability sport, and even establishing the SP Award for Best Athlete with a Disability. He he was a tremendous advocate. I did not know him aside from through social media. I'm really, really happy to have three amazing uh, colleagues of Eli Wolf's. And these three colleagues of, of Eli's really span the sports management world and focus on Paralympics and sports management in in disability sport. And uh, these include Dr. Mary Hums from the University of Louisville. Dr. David Legg is at the University of Mount Royal University in Canada. And Dr. Ted Fay, who was at State University of New York at Cortland and had recently retired. And all of them come on to discuss Eli's life and his work. Why don't we just go around quickly and briefly introduce yourself and kind of talk about how your work and Eli's work just intersects. And then from there, we'll kind of talk a little bit more about Eli's work and his, his legacy uh, kind of moving forward. Well, first of all, so it's David Legg here. Um, I'm a professor at Mount Royal University in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, in the Department of Health and Physical Education. I teach adopted physical activity. And Scott, I said this to you before we started recording, but congratulations to you on uh, receiving the Young Scholars Award from the International Federation of Adaptive Physical Activity um, at the ISAPA conference in New Zealand. Um, love your podcast. And I, I think this is a great idea. This is a great tribute to a, just a wonderful person. To begin, and now Ted Mary, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think Eli ever got his PhD. That is um, correct. And is That's not correct. Dr. Wolf. But which is interesting is that I think a lot of people just assumed that he did, which I think perhaps speaks to his ability um, to to kind of cross that line between advocacy, practice, and academics. And somehow he was able to uh, be exceptional in all of those things. Um, but it's interesting, you know, that that you made that, and and as as a professor too. And so I, I don't I don't know if you actually ever had a a faculty role at any of the universities. You may have, but I don't know that for certain. But he certainly had lots of different kind of positions at a variety of institutions where he was in a leadership role. Um, and again, that just speaks to his ability to walk that line between academics, advocacy, and practice, which he did exceptionally well extraordinarily well and better than anybody I've ever seen. Um, and to me, that's one of the things about him that always was remarkable and something that I always 
stood back a little bit in awe of, uh, if I'm being honest, like he, he just was an extraordinary um, person and uh, leader in, in the ability to weave all those things together. So maybe I'll stop as far as the introductions go. And I know you had, to, Scott, I think you wanted us to talk a little bit about how we connected to it. Maybe I'll, t- I'll touch on that first and then I'll, um, sure. and we'll allow others. And Ted, I, I don't know if it was through you or Mary, actually, that I initially met Eli, because I, I knew both of you through sport management circles. Um, And the three of us also had an interest in disability sport and Paralympic sport more specifically. And it was a pretty small group in the nineties that I can remember anyways, um, where we would go to sport management conferences. And there were a handful of us that were, had this interest in the adapted side of things and, and Paralympic sport. And so I knew Mary and Ted, and then I was, um, I think I knew of Eli, similar probably to Scott, to what you were talking about. You kind of know of him. Um, it's like Kaiser Sose and the usual suspects. Everybody knows of him, but, you know, like had you actually met him? And this was kind of pre-nut. Well, the internet existed, but in the early 2000s, I was on a sabbatical at Dalhousie University in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada, and I came across a letter um, from when Eli was at Northeastern and I forget the exact center's name, but I, you know, Ted, I think you were part of the, the creation of that, uh, center of study and sport. And then there was a specific element within it. And that was Richard Lapchuk's, I think brainchild. And again, I I'm speaking a little bit ignorantly, but there was a specific element within that focusing on disability. And I saw Eli's contact information and, and, and I, and this might be a common denominator of, of stories about Eli. If you were to ask people outside of even the three of us, I reached out to him, kind of cold called him basically, and said, you know, this is who I am. I'm on a sabbatical right now at Dalhousie University on the East Coast. I'm pretty close to Boston. Um, you know, maybe there's an opportunity I could fly down and meet you and, you know, learn a little bit more about what's going on at your institution. I didn't know anything about him. Um, and he didn't know anything about me. And he responded immediately. <laughs> I was like, yes, come on down. You can even stay with me. And we'll hang out and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll kind of bring you in. And that was Eli. Um, he just had this open uh, concept approach to life where if you showed an interest or an inkling of enthusiasm or uh, like he, he accepted you without question. Um, he was the ultimate op- open source person huh. in, in that sense. In other words, was very rarely was there, let's say, ulterior motives. Yeah. Um, he took you as you were, and he yeah. took you in. So, and, so that's so 2004. So that's you know almost 20 years ago. Okay, so Ted, if you're going to go next, you got to introduce yourself. Though you got to say who you are. Well, I was going to go last. I was going to I was going to take privilege of being the oldest. So now uh, you're you're on second now. I think so. <laughs> all right, Mary. Okay. Uh, well, uh, my name is Mary Humps. And I'm a professor of sport administration at the University of Louisville in Louisville, Kentucky. And, um, you know, thinking back on Eli and how I met Eli, and it always, I, I tell the story and it always, I always preface it by saying it, not it, that it shouldn't sound creepy. I met him online. That sounds so creepy, but that's not what I actually mean is he was working on his senior thesis at Brown University. And, um, senior uh senior honor honor thesis and it was going to be on disability sport and it was in disability soccer because of course um for those that don't know he was on the u.s uh, paralympic soccer team uh, twice uh, 
And uh, so anyway, it's going to be on soccer. And he he saw, he needed people that he wanted to work with and bounce ideas off of. And so he found me online. And similar to David, though, he reached out to me. And of course, I wrote him right back. And, you know, and there we go. And that was it. And that would have been in the year, I'm going to say it was 2000. Yeah, I think it was 2000. I'm almost positive it was 2000. Winter, winter spring, 2000. Yeah, because that's when he gra- and then he graduated, of course, from Brown. Um, so that was how I how I first met Eli. Uh, was just that he was familiar with. He had seen my work associated with some things. So I think it was Paralympic sport at the time, because uh, as David said, one of the things that we all share is a common background in working and also researching Paralympic sport. Uh, and then, uh, so then we just took off from there, uh, and that's you know that's what I'll say. And then you know over the years there were lots of projects. Um, and papers, we did write a lot of, we wrote together, uh, whether it was academic articles. And he, he actually had a, uh, an academic appointment at UConn. He taught at UConn. Uh, As an adjunct. Yeah. yeah, he was an adjunct. He was a part-time. So he had like one class, a couple mm-hmm. semesters, he had one class. Um, so that was his connection to, um, to university. But so we, we worked together on writing projects, whether it was academic work, whether it was blog spots. Uh, whether we, you know, worked on projects um, and events like the Muhammad Ali uh, Center Forum for uh, Ethics and Social Change, and the list goes on, uh, yeah, it goes on and on. United Nations Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities. So, in many ways, you know, we all of us found these intersections with Eli, and uh, he really was. Uh, How do you say it, Ted? The open source. Yeah, I mean, the the way he approached people yeah. like David you know, ringing him up from Halifax, you know, well, come on down. In other words, there was, there was no pretension in the sense of, well, who is this guy? Is he going to steal my work? Was he interested in blah, blah, blah. There's none of that. It was just Eli. Eli is the ultimate connector. Yeah. And, and I think Eli saw in all of us and, and, you know, because we share that love of sport teammates. Yeah. That we'd all be teammates in some way. And, you know, I always say, even when I look back on, and I'm sure you do too, the times when you were on teams, it's like, you never say my former teammates. Once a teammate, always a teammate. And I think that that is how Eli saw us as well. And we all sort of played different positions on that team in different ways. Um, so, Ted, I'm going to go ahead and uh, and hand it over to you. Okay. So, I'm Ted Faye. I'm Ted Ted Faye. I'm a retired uh, professor Emeritus from SUNY Cortland, although I'm dabbling and coming out of retirement a little bit with UMass right now, uh, Amherst, um, in the area of disability and sport. Eli and I met, I was actually finishing my dissertation at UMass Amherst. Mary was on my committee as she kind of remembers in pain in that long <laughs> tome. Uh, but I was finishing as a very non-traditional student. Actually, I got my PhD at age 50. And I was working with the Center for Study of Sport and Society and Richard um, at, in Boston at Northeastern University starting probably in 1997. This is now 1999. And some of the characters that uh, Richard had on his team at the centers, such as Kevin Matthews and others, uh, Art Taylor, they said, uh, they called me up one day and they said, Ted, you really need to meet this guy. I mean, you really need to meet this guy. You need to get in here soon. And and then, so they were the ones that connected me with Eli in 1999. And, you know, we had, you know, obviously common interests. Um, 
And it was, you know, the connectedness at sort of the at first blush, first meet. And he and I, as as in Eli and I conspired with Richard, that Richard had a gap in his attention to inclusion, not just race, not just gender, but he needed to look at us. And Richard is very, you know, open in, in confessing that, if you will. That was sort of a gap in is in his area of not only study but advocacy. And at that point, we hatched the idea, well, we can help you, Richard, but we're going to need some help. So we're going to need to add to the team, which means time to bring Mary in. And David, a couple of years later, you came in. So we actually formed a, I don't know what to call it, okay? We never formally created an organization. We never hired anyone, but we created Disability and Sport Initiative became the first let's say, uh, terminology that was created intentionally at the center in 1999-2000. So disability in sport, and I'm going to make that emphasis here uh, as we go forward. Um, and that he and Eli basically created a space for himself at the center for almost 10 years. Um, and actually, many of the initiatives, projects, whether it be, you know, Casey Martin case, whether it was, you know, we go on and on, we can list quite a few, the United Nations article 30.5 um, and the CRPD, so forth and so on, um, came out of using, you know, the center as, as our sort of foundational point to bring us together, you know, and in terms of our writing and so forth. And, you know, eventually Eli felt that that was maybe a little bit limiting to us just to really focus in on disability and sport. And he created a new term, Power, power and Sport Lab. And this became another platform which broadened it to more human rights, looking at this a little bit more otherism more broadly. And so that, that was really the aegis upon which the three of us began our team, which, you know, has expanded over the years to many others. But, um, you know, it was never meant to be exclusive. It was meant to be ultimately inclusive. Um, and really, that's what brought us so powerfully together. Um, and he was, in many ways, at least from my perspective, not that I'm, uh, you know, either handy at this old age of, you know, social media, but he, he would you know, his ability to connect with people, stay connected with people, invite people in, people connecting with him out of the blue. Now, going back to, no, he's not Dr. Wolf, but he might as well should be or could be because in reconstructing, which we have tried to do, you know, after his passing, uh, essentially a posthumously CV of Eli Wolf. It's staggering. And I'll tell you, and Mary and David, you've been in the position as a chair of a department. If you receive this CV, you would say, okay, are you coming in as an associate professor or an assistant professor? Well, I've never really been either. Oh, and you never have pretended to be, but people assumed you were because of just the unique texture and body of work. And by the way, Eli was still hoping 
uh, to pursue his PhD, as he has done at the German Sport University in Cologne under Stefan Wassong's, you know, mentorship and guidance. Um, that obviously wasn't completed, uh, but that was still his intention. Thank you all for uh, talking a little bit about Eli's work and his past and how you, your paths have interacted, intersected. Um, yeah, I mean, his work is uh, expansive. And actually, I, and you, uh, Ted, you kind of glossed over some of those things. Uh, well, you all did. And I don't know if our listeners do know kind of some of those specific um, pieces of his work that I think are, have been really, really impactful at a national and international and local level uh, around disability sport and advocacy around disability. Um, you know, as, and again, I am somebody that knows him on a social media level. So I think if we could expand a little bit about some of his major projects, um, I heard the Casey Martin case, uh, which I think was something with the PGA. Uh, if we talk about some of those things, and I know he had some work where he worked with the United Nations Convention and such, I'd love for you all to highlight some of that great work that he's done and talk about kind of how that work has expanded into different areas and different worlds. Yeah, I, I, I'll start with uh, someone. I'll start by touching on the Casey Martin case. Um, and Casey Martin was a, a, a professional golfer with uh, with a disability. And he wanted to be able to, in, in a nutshell, kind of, he wanted to be able to use a cart uh, when he competed. And of course, the PGA rules did not allow that. So he eventually, he, he brought a suit against the, um, against the PGA, which ended up going all the way to the Supreme Court. Uh, and, but he got involved. It was, and I don't know the whole story, but it was like a, a chance meeting with one of like Casey Martin's lawyers someplace. And I don't know where, but somehow he bumped in. Oh, but you bumped into him, and and Eli sort of had some ideas and, and about what what maybe how could we help this? Uh, and then he contacted two colleagues, uh, Anita Mormon, who works with me at uh, the University of Louisville, and Lisa Pike, Master Alexis, who uh, works at UMass Amherst, both of whom are attorneys, uh, to write an amici, what they call an amici brief, which is a friend of the court brief on behalf of the. Uh, national disability sport organizations in the U.S. And I forget how many of them signed on. Quite, I don't know, it was over a dozen, I think, signed on to that. Um, and so, and eventually, well, Casey Martin won. And that was one of the biggest cases, sport cases that ever went forward uh, to the Supreme Court uh, here in the United States. So that was, that was one. And then um, I'll also talk about the United Nations Convention, the CRPD, of course, the Convention on the right, Rights of Persons with Disabilities. Um, and Eli uh, brought me on to be part of, to be a co-contributor with that for Article 30.5, uh, which is the section on sport recreation um, that's in there. And I think that was really the, uh, you know, the crowning glory. I mean, that's really, the, I think, of the biggest thing that he did. Because when you think about it, right, we the 15, we, people of us that have disabilities, we make up 15% of this world's population. And the United Nations Treaty is something that applies across the board around the world. And those of us that are in academia, yeah? Hey, we write, all right, you know, we gotta do our research, right? We write our, we do our research, we publish it in the journal of X, whatever it is. You're like, this is awesome. And we know the 12 people that are gonna read it, okay? All right, that happens sometimes. Not in this case. This is something that affect 
had an effect for the, what is it, 700 million people around the world? Is that right? That uh, self-identify as having a disability. And his name will never appear on it. it. You won't see his name. But you know what? That didn't matter. That didn't matter. But that was really, I, I think, the... Hmm. Well, that that was really the launching point for him yeah. uh, and us, uh, let's say, and others um, into the whole world of, let's say, UN-related um, or you know, non-governmental or large global non-governmental organizations, you know. Um, and really branched, it, it sort of hit a branch, if you will, and put him into a global sphere as opposed to a more national or hemispheric sphere. Yeah, I mean, and that, uh, particularly one of the things that we worked on um, was the establishment of the International Day of Sport for Development and Peace. Yep. And we celebrate it on 6th of April now every year. And that was, a, like you say, Ted, a direct result of the recognition yep. that he received from work with the CRPD, that then we were able to get that established, and and yep. it is now up and running. Yeah, yep. for ten for ten years now, I believe it's. I think it's right. ten. Yeah. Yeah. So it basically morphed. The otherism morphed into sport for human rights, not just for those of us with a disability. Um, and so, and he was. It's interesting. He, uh, Eli was fiercely. Uh, let's say, if you wanted to see him irritated, which really most people didn't see him irritated all that often, um, but just sort of step on a rake of otherism. And he could go off on that, whether it's the IOC referring to us as other, um, you know, and so forth. And so the whole very sort of... Um, I hate to use the word explosion of the concept of connectedness. You know, he was very much on that. I mean, I remember having many long talks over, you know, do you refer yourself as an Olympian? Do you refer yourself as a Paralympian? And, and then he, I remember one faithful uh, sort of uh, writing uh, at which point he said, okay, so let's list all the, you know, are you a feminine Olympian? Are you, you know, and he went through this sort of like by identity, essentially identity politics of how you refer to you relative to, let's say, Olympism, the, you know, uh, and Mary, you know, from and <laughs> David as well, is that always sparked a little bit of a response, you know, and there were times where I have to confess, I had to share with him, I said, Eli, I think this is a case where you might want to tone it down just a little bit, um, because you're not making any friends here. And if you're not making any friends, you're maybe not influencing them quite the way you want them to. Um, so that was, that was, you know, to this you know, very day, I mean, Eli would say, you know, we're all, those of us who are involved in para, Paralympians, those of us who you know, either, you know, had a badge of some sort, you know, we were involved in the Olympic movement. Oh, yeah, they called us Paralympians and, you know, and so forth. David, you know, you know that very well in terms of your work with, with uh, Bob Stedward, and, you know, just that whole contextualization of terminology, context, how people are valued, how they're viewed. 
And he was very much central, I think, in many, many of those conversations, debates. Yeah. You know, Scott, it's so the example that, that Ted was talking about, the Paralympian Olympian nomenclature, even principle six. And like, and so going back to a comment that Mary made, and I there's a quote, and I don't know who it's ascribed to. I've heard it kind of referenced to a couple of different people, but it's amazing what could be accomplished when nobody cares who gets the credit. And that to me would very much describe Eli. So imagine, for instance, that years from now, Paralympians are not referred to as Paralympians and are instead referred to as Olympians. You know, the idea of, well, where did this conversation start will likely be lost. Like people will likely kind of forget, you know, who some of the earlier kind of agitators or, you know, people asking questions or being curious as to this. And Eli wouldn't care. Um, Like that would, that would not bother him. Well, actually it preceded him. And that's the beauty of it. He picked up the ball. I remember a very impassioned conversation in Jasper in 1993 at the first Vista conference with Fern Landry, myself and a few others. And this whole notion came up right then and there. So anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, even it just like, since Eli's passing, I've been at a couple of events where I had no idea that he had a connection to um and suddenly so it was at you know, the aspen institute in colorado springs i was there in march and at the very opening of the event they're having a moment of silence for him and talking about his impact and his contribution to it and i i had no idea that he had any role to do with it whatsoever and you know every once in a while he would drop he would drop something like um again the espies and there's an again, I'm speaking somewhat ignorantly because I don't know his role or how it all played out, but there's an award for persons with disabilities now. And he 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 was talking about him and LeBron James doing something. I'm like, what? Like <laughs> well, <laughs> actually, yeah, talk about prominence. That's this coming week. Yeah. And yeah. and Eli actually essentially facilitated that happening for the best yeah. male and female athlete with disability, you know, SP award. Um yeah, so that's quite fresh here. Or even, you know, like like it's it's major. I know Scott, this is not necessarily when this was going to get released. So you you know, you sometimes you don't want the specific timing, but it's major league baseball star weekend, right? Or week. Um, and the whole disabled list to the yeah. is it unable to play list? I don't Mary, you're the base. No, it, it's uh it, it got changed from the disabled list to the injured list. So the it, from the DL to the IL. Yeah. And again, I'm not even really sure what role he had to play in that, but I think he had some. Oh, pro- oh, 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 this is a biggie. Yeah. He had a prominent role, a very prominent role. In fact, we have letters from Eli, in, initially from Peter Roby, co-signed from the Center Study of Sport and Society back in 2003. Yeah. We have so, letters like to would, Bud Selig. Yeah. Like he would never brag baseball. about that. He would never take credit for that. It's just, he just that, it was like, ah, it changed. I'm going to interject real quick. And I just want to say this uh, for the listeners out there is that we're saying a lot of dates right now. And some of those dates are 20, 30 years old. Eli was a very young man. um, Yeah. You know, when he passed, I think he was in his mid forties. Yeah. Uh, 45 to be exact a week away from his 46th birthday. And we're, we're talking about, so when I'm listening to this, what I'm astounded by is I'm hearing that somebody was doing these phenomenal things probably in their 20s, um, yeah. if not even. So it sounds like I mean he he must have been 
quite a motivated uh, young man during this. And I think that that all must speak also to his um, his self uh, and yeah, and such and to have such things. Again, what you're describing is hard work ethic. He had values. He had um, uh, he kind of had a vision as well. And, and again, I think as academics, we're all often a little bit older, senior, when we're starting these careers. Um, but you're talking about somebody that from the dates that you're giving. Um, I mean, in 2000, in the, the Casey Martin case, he couldn't have been older than 23 or 4. 22 likability <laughs> factor was I mean it's just, you, like you could you could not say no if he asked you to, to get involved in something you're like uh yeah <laughs> yeah that's that's exactly right and it was sort of this unassuming manner that yeah uh, that that endeared him to so many people um uh, you know he's an advocate oh, obviously we all are advocates and people advocate sort of at different degrees of ferocity and um I think Eli's was such that sometimes you know how it is when you have people who are advocates and they're like, ah, screaming in your face. What? You know, okay, we, we, need, we need that. Okay. But then you have Eli who comes along and he was, again, quite soft-spoken. Yes. And so sometimes, you know, in comparison to the people who are screaming, and I'm not, I'm not dissing the people who scream because that's because it's not my style. I wouldn't be a screamer. But that made him appear even like more mainstream to be able to get more things done. I, I think he knew that. And he, but his his nature was just such that he was just humble, mm-hmm. unassuming. It was not his purpose to have his name attached to any of these, but rather yeah. to see them happen for the people who needed it. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Which is how how often do we find that in someone? Huh? Rarely do you see that. I mean, he had a tremendous tenacity. He had tremendous mm-hmm. persistence. I mean, we talk about the, Mary. You like to quote this about you know, what, what what's your quote about the time of advocacy? Fifteen years, whatever. What was your? Oh yeah, we 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 used to talk when things would happen. You know, things don't happen just overnight. And that like the the movement from the disabled list to the injured list basically took fifteen years. Right. One five fifteen, and we used to refer to that as life happening at the speed of advocacy. Right, and that it wasn't just an overnight thing. We also, he and I, joked occasionally that our that we should have a we had a mascot. Like sometimes when we would send each other emails about advocacy stuff, and it was a turtle, you know, because the turtle just keeps moving along. But uh, but yeah, you're right, Ted. I mean, it's he he saw he saw advocacy. He put it like in a bigger scope, and saw yeah, it's not going to happen overnight. You know, today we all want things immediate, right? And it's not how it works with advocacy. But no. he was able to do it. Yeah. No, and in in his, he he was not a preacher. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, he he was not someone who who, in that way, uh, like it was again, it was, a, it was an incredible, almost to say this the wrong word, insidious soft power. It's like, how did that happen? Wait a minute, what just happened? What did I just agree to? Yeah. For how long? Yeah. Oh, lifetime? Oh my God! <laughs> yeah. yeah, but he did it, and so he um, he created a sense of welcome for whoever you were. That you know, um, when you cross paths with him, that you were all you were welcome, and and people felt that, 
And I think that helped them to be on board with projects and with him. Um, and then the, the joy that he saw, that all of us saw, but he saw particularly in those projects coming to fruition and uh, seeing, seeing, actually seeing it happen, you know? Yeah. In another aspect and uh, about Eli, that's, it's hard to describe, but I mean, Eli, you know, he was born into a privileged family and he was raised with expectations that, what do you mean you don't call the CEO of company or, you know, the, you know, president of this or president that didn't intimidate him one bit because he had been used to being able to influence people uh, at any level. And, and, and the amazing thing about this, he was his humility because normally with that comes an arrogance or a pretension and there wasn't. And in part, probably because of the fight he had to um, exist every day, including his disability and the people blowing him off and the mm. people just writing him off saying, who's, who, you know, get out of here. Um, you know, his infamous, if people haven't, they need to Google his YouTube TED Talk speech at Amherst College, and you'll know everything about the core being of Eli Wolf. No one was going to run over him. But he didn't have to blatantly, you know, make a splash about this. He just persisted on in spite yeah. of people who underestimated him. And there were many. And and for those who uh, some of the listeners maybe aren't as familiar with his story, he did have he had a stroke when he was two, when he was two years old, and so lived his entire life um, as a person with a stroke. But it started with two years old. So if you think back, what it would have been like, you know, Ted talks about you know his life, what it would have been like as a, as a kid or yeah. as a young person, and everything that um, that went along with being a, a a young person with a disability. Then as you grow in, you know, those of us here that more adults acquired onset disabilities are, are different, but you know, two years old, uh, he had that, he had a stroke. Um, and so, you know, that tells you something about him too. And that was the life that he, that he lived and the example that he was even, even what was it Ted or, or David, do you remember like when he was in was it like junior high or something and he gave some talk to his class, Seven, seventh grade, seventh grade. And he was already like, telling me, I forget what let me teach the school about what it is to live with a person, yeah. be a person who lives with a disability. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, it was legendary in within the family, but a story not well known. In fact, pretty much unknown. So it sounds like, um, that Eli did uh, his work is expansive. Um, and I mean, some of the things that we're talking about, it's, it's not, again, it sounds like he did so many different things at so many different levels and impact people's lives and also didn't want to take a lot of the credit for it. So, you know, I, when I saw this, saw his passing again, I didn't know him. I was friends with him on Facebook and such. And he, he has kids that are the same age as my kids. Um, you know, I have a one and a three year old right now and he had similar ages, which obviously, um, just, yeah, that shook me to my core. And I only know him, um, you know, from social media and such. And I, when I look at that, you know, I just think of, I personally try to think, okay, what can we do to continue to honor Eli and his work? And, and I want to throw that question to you all, and not you specifically, 
but how is how can we as a field as practitioners researchers academics uh coming up students um try to honor eli and his work and maybe even expand it well you know we're all educators so we have the ability to influence our students to think about disability uh, and, and disability in sport and think about sport and human rights um, in ways that Eli taught us, all right? Because we learned from him, didn't we? Yeah. What did we ever learn from him? Um, so we have that opportunity now uh, to be able, even if we don't attach his name to it, and we will, of course, as often as we can so that his name lives on, but we have that opportunity, for example, in teaching sport management to show how sport for people with disabilities isn't just something you know that's special. And we're going to have a special unit just on you know, the Paralympic Games. No, we're going to, like in our program, we uh, interweave sport for people with disabilities across the curriculum so that it's just seen as part of the industry. And which is something I think he, he would have liked is to see that, that you know, that's what something we can do. Of course, we can, we can write about it. Um, we're professors, they, they pay us to talk, you know, so we can talk about it as much as we want. Um, so we have that opportunity. I don't know how, you know, David and, and Ted, how you feel about it. I know that's how I feel about it is that we are given that, um, we are given that opportunity and that responsibility, uh, which we all take very seriously. Yeah. Well, one of the things that we have tried to do is really look at what was in motion, if you will, um, at the time of his passing. And so we've defined a number of legacy projects that, um, and Mary and David, you might want to speak to a couple of them, including creating uh, a national disability and adaptive sports day. In fact, the day of his memorial, which was the 28th of April, was the day that we were going to have a discussion with a number of thought leaders on creating this day. So I know Mary, you and Josh and others and folks at Move United perhaps are actually taking that in your backpack to see that through. You know, another area was, you know, principle six of the, in, you know, rule 50.2 uh, of the IOC charter um, and trying to change the word, just like disabled list, injured list, add the word disability in the Olympic charter as opposed to other. And I can't emphasize enough how many conversations I'm sure we all had with Eli that drove him. He said, my lifetime is committed that I'm not other. And that was kind of the core, if you will, of what drove him, you know, mindfully every day of his life. I am not just other and other people aren't just other either. So that's another one that, you know, various folks, you know, are working on, you know, we're looking at, you know, trying to assemble um, an archive, a special collection for Eli uh, in terms of who he was in his work. So people can, you know, actually resource it, you know, whether they be students, whether people be in the field as professionals. Uh, I mean, Eli was Mr. Intersectionality, typecast him, good luck. You know, he he defies being typecast uh, because he's not just slotted in 
you know, let's say the adaptive sport movement. That's a dimension of Eli, but it's not Eli. And likewise in other, other sectors. Um, you know, looking at other ways in which to promote his work. Um, you know, it's just, um, you know, you, you said, how, how can listeners, you know, be engaged, become familiar with who he is. He, he, you know, he's, he's not exactly absent on Google. So I would, I would recommend highly that people, you know, try to look at some of the various aspects of, of, of Eli's, you know, work to date and his work continues, you know, whether it's, you know, those of us listening, those of us talking as I am right now. Um, but his legacy, you know, sometimes that's a trite term, you know, f you know, what, what's the point of this legacy? Again, it's not about putting his name on something. It's about completing the work he was fundamentally involved facilitating. I think that's the key part of this. Uh, it's not to self-aggrandize, or you know, misrepresent the person. Um, it's about being committed. And he and he and I used to, and I'm sure he did with you and Dave, David and Mary. We always talked about the work. God help you to define what the work is, but we it would take us hours. Uh, you know, what what is the work? What do you mean by the work? Well, the work is eliminating otherism elevating people to, you know, from a respect and dignity standpoint, using sport in this case uh, as a vehicle. I've struggled a little bit with this personally um, in that it's hard. So, you know, as, as this is a, this is a small example. Um, he and I started what's what we call the Stedward talks. And so it was named after, Bob Stedward, the founding president of the International Paralympic Committee. And, and I, I can't, I, I think in part, we would just, we recognize that the history of disability sport and Paralympic sport was not well captured um, and was potentially, you know, going to be lost just because of the, the, the time and people passing and, and so on and so forth. So we, we started just picking different topics and, you know, the people here were part of some of these talks and um, and we would spend an hour and we would try and pull together people and just basically rehash, well, how did this start and how did this play out and how did it happen? And I haven't done one. I haven't done one without Eli. And I still have in my, my inbox an email from Eli. Um, and I'm, I like, it might be there for my, my, my lifetime. I, I just, I can't, I can't come to uh, delete it yet or to archive it. Like it's still in my inbox and I'm a, I'm a bit of a, an inbox email type, type wallet. Like I, I like to manage my, my inbox closely and it's just, it just sits there. And so I haven't, I don't know if I'll do another, like I, it, it's hard for me to think about doing it without Eli. And so that's where the emotional piece of it comes into play and the personal connection to him saddens me um, to think about continuing on in something, even though, you know, like it would be, it, it would be a nice, you know, perhaps tribute to him. Well, and even, even doing this podcast with you, Scott, and you know, when we first talked about it and, you know, like, 
it, it's hard. It's hard. In some cases, I don't want to think about him. I don't want to, cause it's, it's just, it's sad um, to know that he's not here and we're not going to have our online call every couple of weeks or whatever it was. Um, and so that's that part of kind of continuing on with his legacy and his work and is difficult for me. Um, so maybe a context to the Steadward talks, a little back history to that. Um, part of the Steadward talks, his conversation with you, David, which I believe happened in New York City, uh, one of the UN events, maybe online as well, but was the fact that Eli, that was his dissertation. It was it, the wonderment of Steadward's influence on the Olympic and Paralympic movement as a context, okay? And then hence, oh my God, we're going to lose all these people if we don't get them on and capture it, you know, in a podcast. So in essence, the Steadward talks represent Eli's vision-mindedness uh, in what he was looking to try to concretize. And the irony of this, the irony of this, is yes, Eli played on the U.S. team in Atlanta. Is an under twenty-year-old at the time, but he was not part and parcel of that era. Hmm. But he essentially felt it was so important to capture and memorialize that era through various voices. You know, not the least of which is Bob's. Um, so I don't know if this helps at all, but you, in, in essence, guided, framed, yes, Mary and I were on a number of the sessions, but the context of that was also Eli's, um, yeah. intellectual work, if you will, more academically speaking. Um, and that, you know, whether there's, a, there's another Steadward talk episode or not, those 12 or whatever they ended up being episodes um, were remarkably important capture of voices. You know, many of us were in that era are aging, have passed, are not able to actually express themselves that well anymore, you know, due to, you know, life um, that maybe that was needed to be what it was. I don't know, just a thought. Yeah, and David, even, oh. like even the convention on the rights of persons, like the, there was the opportunity because of him, right? Uh, the International Federation of Adaptive Physical Activity is now an official partner. And so we had the opportunity to participate in it. But, you know, that would have happened exactly right around the time of his passing, um, as far as kind of planning to participate in it. And I just couldn't do it. Um, yeah. yeah, I just let it go. I couldn't, I couldn't manage kind of the, my personal feelings with the continuation on, and maybe I'm, maybe it's, it's going to just take me a while, um, to process that personally. Uh, and if it does, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Everybody is different with that. You know, I think about, I think about Eli and those of us that knew him and, and those of uh, those of you listening or people that will find his work someday and know about him that way. Um, disability community lost I, I want to i want to say the word icon i mean he they lost an international icon right yeah but ted and david and i and some others 
we lost our friend. Mm -hmm. We lost our friend. Yeah. And that, and so I think I, I understand what you're talking about, David. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's because we, uh, I still kind of expect him like to text me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, 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 I expect that, that or that weekly Zoom. Yeah, that weekly Zoom, exactly. That he would say. Yeah. So we, you know, so the, he had an impact, you know, on, on so many people who didn't know him. Um, and those of us who did know him realized that impact that he had. But we also cherish um, how much his friendship meant to us. Yeah. Much we loved him and, and he loved us. And, yeah. and mm -hmm. he was very willing to say that, uh, right. you know, as, as were we. Uh, so he's, you know, always, always going to have that, that place in all of our hearts. And, and I think to that point, I mean, yes, it's the suddenness, the unexpected. I mean, there was, there was, it, it was completely, completely out of the blue, his, his loss. Um, and to process that, like you say, you, you still expect the text or multiple texts, or zooms, or whenever the connectedness—it was always there. It was constant. It was flowing, and yet he, at least from my perspective, I've come to realize how dependent I was on him for his ability to manage this global, let's say, interface, social media through social media, particularly that with out his help without his partnership without his friendship you know in this like you said it so well mary that being this so critical teammate playing such a critical position there's there's it, it you struggle saying okay carrying on that unless it's very specific with a sort of a almost a due date you want to say by this time next year we have a national day for example all right that you can organize around that you can always organize keep going with that but this other sort of more where are we going in the universe what's the next big thing that we're tackling it may be in front of us and we don't know it it may just emerge um and it through an epiphany or something but he was good at epiphanies um anyway that that's just completely done as far as i'm concerned that's irreplaceable i mean mm -hmm. it sounds trite no it's not with him that aspect that ability to connect you know beyond you know just it, it it it's very he he was very very exceptional and unique in that way. Mm -hmm. It sounds like um, he's not replaceable, but he has a lot of values and such and qualities that we can strive for hmm. in our work and maybe in our personal life. I just want to note something too, and again, you know, I really appreciate you all. Well, I appreciate you all coming on and talking about Eli and his work, and also, you know. This is a vulnerable space right now. And I, I've i had a podcast I've been wanting to do forever. And because being around the disability community uh, in different ways and not that this is, you know, Eli's um, path or anything, but like disability and, and death, early death is kind of, it's a thing. And I myself being around, I used to work with um, 
young adults with uh, muscular dystrophy for years. And they, all of them died within a five year span when I would get to know them. And I think that that's that, that grieving process is really a difficult thing that you have to process. And we don't talk about a lot within our own communities, whether in the disability community or those working with the disability communities in those ways. Um, and so I just appreciate you coming on and being so vulnerable and also uh, strong while talking about all this stuff um, and such. So I just really appreciate that. You're welcome. If I might add one more thing I just came to mind is as people get to know Eli's work and his values and what he was able to do in such a short time in 45 years on earth. There's a couple of things I think that are important and please confirm this or, or disagree with me, David and Mary, but Eli in his approach to try to eradicate otherness was a severe inclusionist. And I would just ask everybody as we soul hole up in our convenient tribes or silos or wherever they may be, the Eli was trying to break those down as well. And that he was trying to bring us into, into the community of others, ironically using that term differently, as opposed to saying, okay, this is our, like Mary, you said it before, this is our specialty area and boy, we're really good at it. We really know a lot about it. Well, do we? He was always about, at the end of the day, including. Mm -hmm. So I, I just want to leave the folks on, on this podcast with that notion in, to keep in mind as you get to know this or as you have known him, many of you on the podcast. This created, this made him a very fierce, powerful Warrior for justice. I think uh, those are pretty strong words to end on. So I'm sure we could continue to talk about Eli and his great work, uh, but I think at, this might be a good time to pause and I will share all of some of those materials like the TED Talk and such on the podcast, such and all of that. And I thank you all so much for being on this podcast to talk about this. Uh, subject in Eli's life and his work. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah. Appreciate it.